welcome to another episode of the official podcast of The Unsexy Startup. This is the platform that unites founders and talks about what it truly takes to build a company and not just the highlights. With your host, Samai Parikh, and of course, a huge thanks to Raj Singh for helping me put this podcast together. I'm excited for this episode. We have Jesse Horowitz, founder and CEO of Hubble Contacts on to talk about the media versus the reality of growing a startup and why the realities aren't spoken about as much. Jesse switched his career from investment banking and did a 180-degree transition into starting his own venture. Traditional contacts on the market are extremely overpriced and usually don't offer the quality and comfort that they promise. Hubble Contacts has disrupted this industry by providing the first brand of contact lenses that is sold directly through consumers through an e-subscription model. Consumers don't have to worry about going out their way or breaking their banks. Hubble Contacts delivers right at your doorstep with comfort, convenience, and price in mind. Jesse, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Let's dive right into the questions. Great. So you were in consulting and in finance at one point in your life. Tell us more about your transition into the startup world and the story behind Hubble Contacts. Sure. Um, so my co-founder, co-CEO, and I, Ben Pogan, met at Bridgewater um, probably six years ago. We were both interning there. I stayed on full-time at Bridgewater. I worked on a research desk there. And then I spent several years on the investment team for Columbia's endowment. Ben went to Boston Consulting Group and then seconded from BCG to Harry's and then Shaden site. And that's where he came up with the idea of Hubble. And so his path was a bit more direct. He was in the um, box subscription space already. I lived across the street from Ben. In between Bridgewater and Columbia, I had a failed trading shop with another Bridgewater alum. And, you know, that was an interesting experience. It was cool getting something up and running, actually running a little bit of money, you know, but also made me think differently about just kind of jumping carelessly into, into entrepreneurial risks. And so when I took the job at Columbia, I definitely kept my fingers, in, you know, my, my fingers in a bunch of different projects, but I raised the bar meaningfully for what it would take to do something full time. Um, and, you know, as I thought through things, I thought I wanted, you know, professional institutional capital behind any project that I was going to sign on full time and pushing a project through to that point was kind of the bar where I think, you know, thought it was an appropriate project to be fully committed to. And so probably over the, you know, over the few years I was at Columbia, I probably worked on half a dozen different projects with friends to varying degrees. Um, you know, one of the things I thought was always really great was I had friends across lots of different industries. And for the most part, I've seen people come up with the best ideas around things that they know already. So Ben was in the box subscription space. He came up with Hubble, which is a really fantastic idea. Uh, I did some stuff with friends in the gaming space. We were playing around with gamified dating apps. Did some stuff around theater with folks I knew there in biotech and all, you know, all sorts of different spaces. But it, it, I always wanted to be partnering with somebody who really knew the insides and outs. And I didn't care as much whether it was my idea or, you know, their idea because I figured just the same way that I was on, you know, that just the same way that they were more likely to have a great idea in the space they knew. I was really only likely to have ideas probably around the stuff I knew, and that's a pretty uh, narrow universe for any of us. So I think, you know, not having ego around that and being uh, being willing to jump in on things friends are playing around with really broadens broadens your horizons in terms of the number of ideas you have access to. That's interesting. So you said that you were working with. A few other companies in different spaces, and, and I love that you brought up the humility aspect. Of, you know, you, you didn't care if it was your idea or somebody else's idea. It's it's interesting because a lot of founders are really on like this is my idea, my idea instead of like a bigger picture of how it could actually change the world. Yeah, and I you know, and I think it's sort of 
I think if you're being honest, again, you're probably going to have ideas around what you know. And so, like, for example, I was I was in the investment management space and specifically, you know, endowment, which is basically the fund-to-fund world. Fund-to-fund world is a shrinking space. Um, it's it, it, it's a very interesting world, and I really enjoyed my time at Columbia, but broadly it's, it's an industry facing major headwinds. And so you think, okay, that's my background. If I'm thinking about starting something different, I'm thinking about it in a shrinking space, you know, sort of the... The stuff around me is not, you know, is not that promising. And so you can say like, okay, I can really dig in my heels and either I can try to come up with an idea around what I know, which is the shrinking space, or I can try to come up with an idea around something I don't know, which probably isn't going to go very well. What would you feel is the sexiest moment to this point for Hubble Contacts? And how did you feel about that emotionally? Sexiest moment for Hubble Contacts. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just glad that First month after we launched, so the business has gone well. First, but you know, but operations are not always seamless. And the first month after we launched, we were wildly understaffed on customer service. Um, I was doing, I think, November and December, I did like five thousand tickets each month just to keep up with pace. Um, and you know, so I don't know if this is sexy or not, but like the last couple months, I've been like sleeping again and not waking up every morning worried what you know night, what nightmares going to befall us. And that has been um, wildly appreciated and a meaningful step up to my quality of life. And those nightmares, there, I'm sure they were lasting for quite some time, or is that is that something? Oh yeah, that's the first, I mean the, the first ten months or so. I mean, I kind of deluded myself. So you you know you think about this, then start looking at category like summer 2015. Um, we really did research together beginning 2016. We raised May 2016. Um, and the next five months were kind of pre-launch work, getting doctors on board, you know, getting the product ready, getting the site ready, yada, yada. And during that whole pre-launch period, I mean, it wasn't that bad for me. It was a lot of work for uh, Paul, our CTO, who had, you know, he's my best friend from college, who had to build out, um, you know, build out all of our back end, get this store ready to go. But it wasn't that bad for me, and I kind of deluded myself into thinking, oh, you know, I can do this. This isn't going to be, you know, too crazy. And then once you have customers, all help breaks loose. Um, and like the first, it, it really took us almost a year to get operations smooth enough, um, where we were, where we were keeping up with our customers and, um, and it wasn't a misery to do so. So, I mean, I, I'd say like, if you're, you know, I'd say for, you know, for other aspiring founders out there, it, a lot of it's really gratifying. A lot of it's really exciting. Um, but, but there's a lot that's stressful and tiring and you're going to be pissy and yada, yada. And I think if you take even a you know step back, it's like starting at the point where we were just working on Hubble is kind of a weird point to pick up the story from because it was probably I don't know five or six years before you know ahead of before Hubble during which I was kicking around different ideas and this happened to be the lucky one that broke well. So you figure like that's you know that's probably the least sexy part of it. That's years of kind of nights and weekends time on projects that didn't really go anywhere. And you know the truth is that's still pretty lucky to go, you know, to put in six years of crime like that and get one that works, knock on wood, you know, the whole thing can fuck up tomorrow. That's not that bad, but I think, you know, I think that's a lot of the least sexy and, you know, sort of most high-grit kind of work. It, 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 the, the first 10 months of Hubble were, were you know, were, were a push, but at least you could see the business was growing and, and you were sprint, you know, and you were pushing ahead towards something. A lot of, you know, a lot of the work that's hardest to push through is getting that project that gets some traction and being willing to sort of, you know, kiss a lot of frogs to get there. Um, and maybe you'll get, you know, 
maybe you'll get lucky and that'll happen the first time for you and you won't have to go through that experience. I feel lucky that it probably happened on the 13th or 14th time. And, you know, so, so, so that's kind of a grind. Let's switch to the unsexy. And I want to focus on the transition from leaving a career behind and starting the Hubble Contacts. Um, during this time, what was one unsexy moment you didn't hear much about in media, but you experienced when you started your company? Um, I mean, I think when I left Bridgewater, I made the jump prematurely. And I thought, you know, and I, and I, and I thought like, you know, I want to be running something in my own. And so I'm just going to go do that. And that was stupid. I had about a year's worth of savings and I made it through the end of the year and I had to shutter the project because I was out of savings and I needed cash again. You know, and so I wasn't going to make that mistake twice and it, and it really needed to be solid for me to go to something. I think that's the right thing to do, but it's a big lift because that means from Let's see. I, I started playing around with Hubble January 2016. We raised in May. I didn't leave Columbia until end of June. That was a long stretch of, you know, not sleeping uh, to get the extra work, get the extra hours to work on Hubble, of stretching vacation days to get the extra work on Hubble. You know, it's just it was just probably six months of being tired all the time. And I'd say, like, you know, it was an exciting period because we were making progress and that's why we were putting in the work. But um I don't know, maybe other folks are better with the sleep stuff, but um, I've, I've always been a bad sleeper. And when I think about like periods of my life when I'm happy versus unhappy, a lot of it is just how much I'm getting to sleep. And that whole that whole sort of sprint towards getting Hubble funded and solid enough to be doing it full time. I didn't want to take the financial risk of foregoing income, and I didn't want to take the professional risk of stepping out of a you know out of a good career. And I think that was the right call, but it comes at the cost of your nights and weekends. You know, I think that's one of the one of the things that you really have to settle in and be ready for, especially because if you're going to do this smartly, you're probably going to have to do that a few times where, you know, that was kind of the arc of the last few years. So we had sprint on a project for a few months. If it went somewhere, I'd keep sprinting. If not, I'd kind of back off, um, you know, rest up, recover a bit more, and then do it again. Diving more into media, I mean, you see blog posts from time to time write about the hardships of starting a company. Um, I see it sometimes in my inbox uh, from other websites and blog posts saying that these are the true struggles. Um, but you don't see other bigger media publications talk about those actual hardships and how bad or how hard it can be for a founder at times. What are your thoughts on why the media never really talks about the lowlights of a company? I don't know if it's that there is, you know, I think... There's probably something of, you know, the media wanting success stories, but I think part of it is it, it's uncomfortable. You don't want to really talk about it as a founder because, like, you know, a lot of what you're selling as a founder is yourself. Um, and you're selling that things are going well for you and that this is a great, you know, that this is a great journey and that, you know, whether it's consumers or press or investors or team members that people should want to be on this trip with you. And so it can be incongruous to sort of, you know, Talk about um, talk about what's stressful for you, or you know, with with bad or anxiety produ- producing alongside that. It, and I also think there's an element of you know, if things are going badly, you feel super insecure and you don't want to talk about it. If things are going well, it sounds like humble bragging to talk about it. And so I think there's like never the right moment. I mean, for me personally, like this, you know, I've always been a pretty um, anxious person, um, but you know, but sort of always felt like that was manageable. I mean, honestly. Ten months into Hubble was probably was the first time I went on SSRIs, and that was like a huge, you know, a huge, a huge improvement in my quality of life, you know. But it, it was a really stressful period, and you know, and kind of pushed me, you know, put, pushed me past where I felt comfortable and where I'd been before. How do you feel media should 
portray the start of life? Um, is it too risky of a topic? I mean, this ties back into a previous question. Has it may discourage some people from starting their company? I think people should be discouraged. Most things fail. I think a much healthier attitude to adopt is if you're if you're applying for jobs, you'll sort of line up your job options and you'll say, okay, this one has this comp um, and this and these hours and this work content and you know yada yada. And you, you know you'll sort of rationally evaluate them. And I think people sort of throw all that logic out the window once it's a startup and you know and and it's sort of held to a to- in totally different rubric. And I think it's a lot healthier to just sort of think about it like another job opportunity. And so you think like, okay, you know, what's good about this job opportunity? It's a job that allows you a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of, you know, upside, both professional and financial, but, you know, but it's also, it's unstructured. It has weird exit options. It can implode very quickly. And I think once you start lining, lining it up that way and thinking, you know, just sort of the same way you'd make a plus and minuses column for any job, it's it sort of slows you down and gets you and gets you thinking a bit more critically about whether this is really right for you or not. And I don't think there's any. I don't think startup, you know, starting companies and end all be all side. You know, it's not right for you. It's not right for you. That's fine. Do you feel like just piggybacking on what you said? Do you feel like actually doing? I love your perspective on it because you're saying this is like another job opportunity. Yep. It kind of gives like a sobering approach. Um, yep. Do you think that will? like increase the likelihood even if a startup doesn't succeed because it's a high failure rate but will increase their runway or how long they can last or or what the actual approach is i think so because i think that's the kind of thing like you know that's the kind of thing that gets you to slow down if you're making a decision like when do i go full-time with this what milestones do i need to hit and i think also if you like start thinking about as a job like if you're first, you know, I've seen, you know, lots of friends who sort of get like medium traction with the project. They get a little bit of funding or they get a couple of clients, but they just have this incredible sense of ownership around it and they'll just dig in their heels for a really long time. And the truth is, it's like, you know, you might reach a point like this business isn't, your business isn't taking off, but it's gone far enough that you've proven yourself to be a, you know, a credible operator and you could probably get funding to go do another one. And again, if you were sort of taking it with that dispassion that this is a, job mentality, you know, if you've kind of stalled out with, you know, a client or two or a couple hundred came in fundraising, but not a way to get to the next milestone, um, you, you know, if you're thinking about the job, you'd say like, okay, maybe this is the wrong one. And, you know, and I should pick up and, you know, and start again. And, you know, if you're having an open and honest conversation with your investors, they'll probably be, you know, they'll probably seeing that too. Um, and, you know, and, and it's a better use of everyone's time and money to, you know, to think about what other things there are to be working on. I think people underweight opportunity cost and overvalue their ideas. And Jesse, I have, a, I have a founder's question. I ask all my founders that hop on the podcast. What is some advice you would give your younger self six years ago from what you know now and, and why? <laughs> Holy sh- don't be a film major. I've- <laughs> So, you know, so I started college in summer in, in 2006, I was class of 2010, and I was an arrogant little shit, you know, and I thought, oh, I, anybody from a top school can get a, you know, can get a job at a bank and whatever. I, I was a film studies major and I was watching movies and writing essays all day. And then I spent a semester um, as a PA on this, on this set of Sony Pictures Television's daytime judge shows. And realized, uh, what working in, what a career in entertainment probably looked like, which was probably not being the next Martin Scorsese and was probably, um, you know, a long commute at 4 a.m. 
to a set somewhere on a project I wasn't terribly excited about so I could get reality TV stars very caffeinated, caffeinated before the appearances. And that kind of sobered me up, and I switched to econ math at that point, but I was making the switch in fall 2008. I, I literally, I took my first econ class on September 1508, which was the day Lehman went under. And so, you know, it would have been a miserable recruiting cycle anyway, but it definitely put me a step behind there. Um, and I ended up going to Harvard Law, which was like, you know, there, there are worse fallbacks, but basically just to stay in the recruiting flow. And that's how I found my way to Bridgewater. Um, so it cost me, you know, probably two years of floundering around um, just because I had, you know, just because I thought I was an artist. And, and so do you feel more people should just really try harder on focusing on what they really want earlier on? Or should they just dabble into a lot more things when they're younger? I think people should, you know, one thing I've learned, hopefully, over time is you should listen to the world more in terms of, like, your path is not set for you. And there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a range of outcomes you can produce. And some of those might be really gratifying and really exciting. You're you're, you're going to get the best results, I think. If I think you'll get better results if you don't, if you try to figure out what the world wants and, you know, and how that aligns with what you want and sort of find that overlap versus just starting with what you want and, you know, sort of your fantasy vision of life and chasing that down. I, I think a little bit of a grower guy to be exciting here, and I can't remember the quote, but I mean, Mark Cuban has some good stuff on this. Um, you know, where I can't remember whatever the company was that he made his money on in the 90s. And, he, and they talk about what he's passionate about that company. And he says, no, but it was a problem that really needed to be solved and it was valuable to solve it. And I was, you know, passionate about making a mark that way. And I think if you can sort of focus on what the world needs from, you know, what the world needs from you, then way to self-aggrandizing. If you can focus on, um, you know, how, how you can make yourself useful to other people, um, that's a much better starting point than what you would like other people to find useful from you. Thank you so much for hopping on, Jesse. I really do appreciate your time, man. My pleasure. Have a good one. I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Go Moment and Quake Venture Capital, for helping me put this podcast together. I also would like to thank our new partner, Startup Boost, for supporting the unsexy movement. Startup Boost is a 30,000-member startup ecosystem in New York City, which hosts a variety of events for seed and Series A tech founders, including mixers, investor nights, and panels. For anyone interested in joining the Startup Boost ecosystem, I'll share the link. If this podcast helped you or you learned something new, please leave an iTunes rating by going to the link that I've provided below. Until next episode, this is Samai Parikh signing out. Mm-hmm.